Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be learning about Baum's Beliefs. Literary Baum's avowed intentions with the Oz books and his other fairy tales was to retell tales such as those which are found in the works of the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen, remake them in an American vein, update them amidst stereotypical characters such as dwarves or genies, and remove the association of violence and moral teachings. His first Oz books contained a fair amount of violence, but the amount of it decreased as the series progressed. In The Emerald City of Oz, Ozma objects to the use of violence, even to the use of violence against the gnomes who threaten Oz with invasion. His introduction is often cited as the beginning of the sanitation of children's stories, although he did not do a great deal more than eliminate harsh moral lessons. Another traditional element that Baum intentionally omitted was the emphasis on romance. He considered romantic love to be uninteresting to young children as well as largely incomprehensible. In The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the only elements of romance lay in the background of the Tin Woodman and his love for Nimi Ami, which explains his condition but does not affect the tale in any other way, and the background of Galette and the enchantment of the winged monkeys. The only other stories with such elements were The Scarecrow of Oz and TikTok of Oz. Both of them were based on dramatizations, which Baum regarded warily until his readers accepted them. Political Women's Suffrage Advocate When Baum lived in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where he was secretary of its Equal Suffrage Club, much of the politics in the Republican Aberdeen Saturday Pioneer dealt with trying to convince the populace to vote for women's suffrage. Susan B. Anthony visited Aberdeen and stayed with the Baums. Nancy Tystead Koopel notes an apparent loss of interest in editorializing after Aberdeen failed to pass the bill for women's enfranchisement. Sally Roche Wagner of the Matilda Jocelyn Gage Foundation published The Wonderful Mother of Oz, describing how Matilda Gage's feminist politics were sympathetically channeled by Baum into his Oz books. Some of Baum's contacts with suffragists of his day seem to have inspired much of the marvelous land of Oz. In this story, General Ginger leads the girls and women of Oz in a revolt, armed with knitting needles. They succeed and make the men do household chores. Ginger proves to be an incompetent ruler, but Princess Ozma, who advocates gender equality, is ultimately placed on the throne. 
Charlotte Perkins Gilman's 1915 classic of feminist science fiction, Hairland, bears strong similarities to The Emerald City of Oz, 1910. The link between Baum and Gilman is considered to be gauge. Baum's stories outside of Oz also contain feminist or egalitarian themes. His Edith Van Dyne stories depict girls and young women engaging in traditionally masculine activities, including Aunt Jane's Nieces and The Flying Girl and its sequel. The Bluebird books feature a girl sleuth. Racial Views During the period surrounding the 1890 Ghost Dance Movement and Wounded Knee Massacre, Baum wrote two editorials asserting that the safety of white settlers depended on the wholesale genocide of American Indians. These editorials were republished in 1990 by sociologist Robert Venables of Cornell University, who argues that Baum was not using sarcasm. The first piece was published on December 20, 1890, five days after the killing of the Lakota Sioux holy man Sitting Bull. The piece opined that Sitting Bull's death— the nobility of the redskin had been extinguished, and the safety of the frontier would not be established until there was a total annihilation of the remaining Native Americans, who he claimed lived as miserable wretches. Baum said that their extermination should not be regretted, and their elimination would do justice to the manly characteristics of their ancestors. The Wounded Knee Massacre occurred nine days later, the second editorial was published on January 3, 1891. Baum alleged that General Nelson A. Miles's weak rule of the Native Americans had caused American soldiers to suffer a terrible loss of blood in a battle which had been a disgrace to the Department of War. He found that the disaster could have easily been prevented with proper preparations. Baum reiterated that he believed— due to the history of mistreatment of Native Americans, that the extermination of the untamed and untamable tribes was necessary to protect American settlers. Baum ended the editorial with the following anecdote. An Eastern contemporary with a grain of wisdom in its wit says that when the whites win a fight, it is a victory, and when the Indians win it, it is a massacre. In 2006, two descendants of Baum apologized to the Sioux Nation for any hurt that their ancestor had caused. The short story, The Enchanted Buffalo, claims to be a legend about a tribe of bison, and it states that a key element of it made it into the legends of Native American tribes. Baum mentions his character's distaste for a hoppy snake dance in Aunt Jane's nieces and Uncle John, but he also deplores the horrible situation which exists on Indian reservations. Aunt Jane's nieces on the ranch features a hardworking Mexican in order to disprove Anglo stereotypes, which portray Mexicans as lazy. Baum's mother-in-law and women's suffrage leader Matilda Jocelyn Gage strongly influenced his views. Gage was initiated into the Wolf Clan and admitted into the Iroquois, Council of Matrons, in recognition of her outspoken respect and sympathy for Native American people. Political imagery in The Wizard of Oz Numerous political references to the wizard appeared early in the 20th century. Henry Littlefield, an upstate New York high school history teacher, wrote a scholarly article in 1964, the first full-fledged interpretation of the novel as an extended metaphor of the politics and characters of the 1890s. He paid special attention to the populist metaphors and debates over silver and gold. Baum was a Republican and avid supporter of women's suffrage, and it is thought that he did not support the political ideals of either the populist movement of 1890 to 1892 
or the Bryanite Silver Crusade of 1896 to 1900. He published a poem in support of William McKinley. Since 1964, many scholars, economists, and historians have expanded on Littlefield's interpretation, pointing to multiple similarities between the characters, especially as depicted in Dinslow's illustrations and stock figures from editorial cartoons of the period. Littlefield wrote to the New York Times letters to the editor section spelling out that his theory had no basis in fact but that his original point was not to label Baum or to lessen any of his magic, but rather as a history teacher at Mount Vernon High School to invest turn-of-the-century America with the imagery and wonder I've always found in his stories. Baum's newspaper had addressed politics in the 1890s, and Denslow was an editorial cartoonist as well as an illustrator of children's books. A series of political references is included in the 1902 stage version, such as references to the president, to a powerful senator, and to John D. Rockefeller for providing the oil needed by the Tin Woodman. Scholars have found few political references in Baum's Oz books after 1902. Baum was asked whether his stories had hidden meanings, but he always replied that they were written to please children. Religion Baum was originally a Methodist, but he joined the Episcopal Church in Aberdeen in order to participate in community theatricals. Later, he and his wife were encouraged to become members of the Theosophical Society in 1892 by Matilda Jocelyn Gage. Baum's beliefs are frequently reflected in his writings. However, the only mention of a church in his Oz books is the porcelain one which the Cowardly Lion breaks in the dainty China country in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The Bombs sent their older sons to Ethical Culture Sunday School in Chicago, which taught morality, not religion. Writers including Evan I. Schwartz, among others, have suggested that Baum intentionally used allegory and symbolism in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz to convey concepts that are central to spiritual teachings, such as theosophy and Buddhism. They postulate that the main character's experiences in Oz represent the soul's journey toward enlightenment— Schwartz specifically states that key plot elements of the book take the reader on a journey guided by Eastern philosophy. Schwartz, page 265. An article in BBC Culture lists several allegorical interpretations of the book, including that it may be viewed as a parable of theosophy. The article cites various symbols and their possible meanings. For example, the yellow brick road representing the golden path in Buddhism, along which the soul travels to a state of spiritual realization. Baum's own writing suggests he believed the story may have been divinely inspired. It was pure inspiration. It came to me right out of the blue. I think that sometimes the great author had a message to get across and he was to use the instrument at hand. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today, while we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.